Hello and welcome to Hawkeye Nation. This is Hotcast, your Iowa football, basketball, and recruiting podcast brought to you by Go Iowa Awesome and Rivals.com. I'm your recruiting analyst and host, Elliot Clough, at Elliot Clough on Twitter. Before we get started, make sure you subscribe, follow, leave that rate and review wherever you're listening. And uh, this episode, not running solo, not with some of the other GIA guys, but I was going to ask how to pronounce your last name, and now here we are. Blake Hornstein? Yes. Let's yeah, go. First try. There you go. <laughs> From Hawkeye headquarters and tell me the exact station in the Quad Cities. Yeah, so it's uh, WHBF Channel 4, Fox 18, uh, KLJB in the Quad Cities. So we, we, I'm the Hawkeye headquarters reporter. Hawkeye headquarters is our brand. I guess I am the face of the brand, as my commercial would uh say is it runs like 18 times a day and I'm forced to watch it over and over again but uh yeah we're we're out in the quad cities and if you're if you're in the viewing area please uh you know give us a watch if you haven't already so yeah Blake, Blake Clough, doesn't yeah, yes I was gonna say nice. I, I thought it was Clow when I first read it but I'm like like rough and tough Elliot Clough okay yeah you saw the Twitter bio didn't you of course. No, it's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I've been saying that my whole life, so figured I'd throw it in there. Um, but yeah, most people think Clow, so you are you are not in uh, the minority, my friend. But Oh, uh, Stein. So there you go. There you go. Um, Blake and I were actually just talking, too. I went to UNI, as some folks know here, and Blake went to Illinois State. So two Valley boys talking Hawkeye football, Hawkeye sports right now and on that Hawkeye beat, which I think is really cool. Two recent grads, too, were, were young bloods on the beat, uh, which is which is really fun. Yeah, a bunch of, yeah, we went from covering games in the Uni Dome and Redbird Arena. You ever been to Redbird Arena, Elliot? I've never been to Bloomington. No. No. <sighs> you, have, you have to make a stop. <laughs> did you make it to to the dome during your your time covering sports for no you didn't no i i, I would I'd, I'd like to go at some point though honestly for state football uh when that comes around at some point because yeah. uh no i've heard it's a, heard it's a nice little place for a football game you know um <laughs> i would i would recommend the mcleod center more than the dome if if we're uh if we're being uh honest mcleod center is pretty new very nice um but Football team in, in Cedar Falls. I'm looking forward to seeing what they do this year. I'm not sure about Illinois State. The Redbirds handed the Panthers a, a, a loss last year in homecoming or at homecoming for UNI, which just that was one of those losses that kept them out of the FCS playoffs. So everybody was super bitter around that point in time. You know, Valley football can be really unwatchable sometimes, Elliot. I'm not, I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. Um, you know, but the, but the Panthers have had some decent teams over the years. I mean, it's, it's kind of the same deal. So we had James Robinson for us was our guy. He gets he goes undrafted in 2020 great season with the Jags, but David Johnson, kind of the same deal, like a running back led FCS team kind of put you and I on the, on the map. And you guys were a really great team for what was it a year or two. And the same for us, it's kind of the, I feel like most teams have a very similar style of play. Just a lot of '80s football defense, running the running the ball. Um, but not to go to all tangent here, I, I can appreciate some good FCS football when I see it. That's all I was trying to say. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Starting this Iowa-based show with a little Valley talk, you never, never, uh, never go wrong there. The MVFC, but uh, the O'Day—that's a name to watch now. They're they've revitalized the offense. Bodie Reader at OC there telling you you and i is is they're going to be in a fun offense to watch but enough fcs football to start carried away right uh to, to start hotcast here um on uh on well thursday morning when when the pod will will debut but big note big news wednesday night noah shannon uh he is involved in that sports gambling investigation we found out uh, via email today, via that that media release that uh, we got from the athletic department, Blake. I mean, we we had to know names were going to surface one way or another. I don't think anybody was thinking, "Oh, it's obviously going to be Noah Shannon" or anything like that. When when thinking about, yeah, I had no idea by by the look you just shared with me, you didn't know either. Um, just initial thoughts on on that news coming out today. Obviously, Jay Higgins 
going to Indianapolis in his place as well. That was a big part of the, I guess, of, of a part of the news coming out today. But Blake, um, just just initial thoughts on on that news coming out uh, this afternoon. Yeah, Elliot, a couple of things. One is, um, I think the initial reaction is, why is this a story? Why is Noah Shannon withdrawing his name for being involved in it, right? Like if somebody was investigating me for illegal drug use, I'd be like, well, I'm not going to stop coming to work. You know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to worry about this because I'm not involved in it. Obviously there's something going on and I think we're going to have answers sooner rather than later. Um, Noah Shannon is essentially a, in, in my eyes, when I read that release, I thought Noah Shannon was admitting that he gambled on, on sports when he was with the team. Um, and the punishment for that is loss of eligibility altogether, which would be a much bigger story than, oh, we're going to talk to Jay instead of Noah at Big Ten Media. AJ is going to represent the team and not Noah. That's the story that I'm focused on. And as we... Um, think we both know now we are kind of expecting some news with this whole gambling thing with Iowa and Iowa State um, across a number of different sports to this investigation to to meet its end I think one way or another this timing is not coincidental and yeah I mean it would I respect Noah Shannon for making what I would consider to be a classy move I think it's um, I mean, if it's what, what the press release, um, indicated that Noah went out of his way to do it, he wanted to be out in front of it and thought it was the right thing to do. That's, I mean, Noah, Noah's a great dude. I'm sure you've talked to Noah before. He is a stand up class act individual. I mean, think about him representing the program in the first place. Like you could have went the Deontay Craig route. He had a great year last year. You could have went the Higgins route, but Shannon's been kind of the epitome of an Iowa football player, just, your tough nose stand up off the field kind of guy. And I don't think that gambling on sports in my opinion, that doesn't change that. I think Noah's still a great dude, but again, not to get off track here. The point is, is I think there's a much bigger story here and that's Noah Shannon's going to lose his eligibility this year, which is really unfortunate because he is such a huge part of that defensive line. Not to mention he's had so many years of experience under his belt, uh, just as a leader of that locker room. Um, that's a critical position of the defense. And I mean, you have Logan Lee and younger players behind him. Logan's a really good player. Logan's fine. But Noah, Noah is part of that, that six seconds of hell that we all know and love. And uh, it's unfortunate. Uh, you know, those are, what do you think? What do you think, Elliot? Are you, are you kind of with me on this? You know, I, 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 I hadn't thought what you what you had said is that it was an admission of guilt, so to speak. My my initial thoughts when I received the email, other than holy crap, was I'm curious as to whether or not this was discussed, the fact that he's involved in this investigation before he agreed to go in the first place. I just thought that was weird. And, and I don't see this as an indictment of, of Shannon or Burke or, or the Iowa football program. I just think it's kind of an odd timeline to announce him as one of the guys that's going. And then just, you know, less than a week later, oh, never mind. Here's this big, you know, nugget of news. I'm actually involved in the, the gambling investigation. Why not just pick Jay? Pick Logan Lee, pick, I don't know, YA Black, Quinn Schulte. I Quinn, I don't know that Quinn would be, you know, the first pick to send to Big Ten Media Days, but and and keep it under wraps. I just thought that that the way that was operated was was odd. Yeah, it, it, now that I think about it that way, it is. Um I is it a better late than never type of thing? Right. It's like Noah yeah. said, yeah, yeah, I'll do this. Kirk wants me to go that. Yeah. Cause I'm thinking too, like, yeah, Kirk probably knew about this. Kirk had to have known. Right. Um, so yeah, I, there's a lot of unknown details here. I mean, you don't want to make any assumptions, 
I mean, I, I except for that Kirk, if Kirk didn't know, I don't know. That would surprise me. That would definitely surprise yeah. me if Kirk didn't know. I, I Somebody mean, I, had I, to know. I mean, I'll I'll read the I'll read the release again, um, just for our audience here that might not have seen it already. What did Kirk say? Kirk said Noah's decision to share this information. Okay, Noah's decision to share this information. So maybe Kirk didn't know. Kirk kind of admitted there that he didn't know, or, or claims that he didn't know. That's that's my takeaway from that. Noah's decision to share this information and suggest that another player take his place is reflective of his character. Noah's a committed and dedicated teammate. This is a fine example of him always wanting to put the team first. I mean, Kirk doesn't seem he doesn't sound concerned in that in this, but maybe he shouldn't be. Maybe he didn't have to be. There's a there's a lot of now. There's another Big Ten media day story. Is Noah Shannon going <laughs> to play this year? Yep. Yeah. You know, but, right? It, but that that first sentence tell you. I mean, he didn't know. So no. Well, yeah. The way I, there's there's a couple things about that is that you and I both know when statements like this are released, they're very calculated. They're, I mean, it's not just Kirk saying it and then they roll with it. You know, the SIDs look through it. They make sure it's pertinent. They make sure it's concise. They make sure nothing gets out that, that coach Ferentz doesn't want out. Uh Now for him to say, share this information, does he mean share this information with everyone or share this information with the public because it's share with everyone then kirk doesn't know share with the information with the public then you know and then right no you're right it's so like it's it's so it's so odd it's just i don't i don't know what to make of it i mean could he have he could have very well said as well and you know maybe this is just one of those things of taking personal responsibility for the issue, letting people know what's going on, which, you know, I would, I would rather as again, as both of us being media, I'd rather have the information than not have the information, but could he have, could they have planned? Oh, I'm going to be sick that day, you know? And again, kept it under wraps. Oh, we just sent Jay instead. You know, I mean, I, I, I prefer the honesty. I'm just curious as to how, this was seen as the best way to go about it. Right. You know, I, it's, it's just confusing and, and strange. And so the, the, the way it's just been, the way it's been handled is, is interesting. Um, I, I'm, I'm not so much uh, like, like I mentioned, not so much of the mind that it was necessarily an admission of guilt either. Um, I, I think I kind of already hit that, but, I, I we don't know the extent to which he was involved. We don't know if it was just one stupid flippant thing where he just did one little bet and thought, eh, and then it blows up, right? Um, I personally, I think the sports gambling issue is silly. If you're not betting on your own team, you're not betting on your own conference. What does it matter? That's that's a whole nother thing, right? Uh-huh. But with you there, though. Yep. But. It's tough to even gauge what kind of penalty he'll serve because, like you mentioned, it's you, you forfeit your eligibility. Uh, but then they also just passed this this rule that's going to take effect, I think, within the next year, where it's going to they're going to be a little more a little, uh, little bit more lax. The NCAA is going to be a little bit more lax on right. these betting rules. And so, do you appeal whatever conclusion the NCAA makes? Do you? hope you know sit and cross your fingers and hope it's a three-game suspension we just there's there's still even with this information that we've been given there's still so much unknown to look at that and say okay xyz is gonna happen sure (laughs) yeah and i right and and that's that's a fair point I, i think it is interesting too i i'm just reading this release again you know and shannon I'll just read the very end of it. He says, since the NCAA review is not yet complete, I don't feel it is right for me to represent the team. Now that could be true. That could be true. As you, as I think you're touching on here, that, that he's just like, yep, 
I don't think this is right. I don't know what's going to happen. I shouldn't do this. And yeah, there is, there is the potential for an appeal process as well. Right. Um, it, there, there, are, there is a lot of unknown. I'm just saying that um, based on what the very blanketed uh, rules say, as far as gambling goes, it is, a, it is, it is loss of eligibility. Um, yeah. At this point, it is a lot of speculation. Um, and again, I, I, I get, I think Noah Shannon's a really, but I, I do want to touch on your point about gambling though. You know, it's, we're seeing a wave through sports right now and it's mostly, I'd say in the NFL, we've seen it the most because they have uh, a policy in place. I mean, we just saw Calvin Ridley miss an entire season because of gambling um, yep. and I've seen a ton of guys, <laughs> Jamison Williams. There was a couple other players on the lions are going to miss six or seven games um, and the crackdown on gambling. But these are, all, I mean, you can bet on college football games. You can bet on the NFL, the, both Leagues are benefiting from gambling, and I'm going to go off on a huge tangent. A huge tangent. I mean, every TV deal is, yeah. I mean, Fanduel. Here's the over under for the first half. Here's this player's rushing yards, and then, but the, you know, but but now the players can't. I, I think it's exactly what you said. Is are you betting on my team? Are you betting on a game? Well, then, yeah. It's like, I don't know. I don't want to get off track here, but I I would concede to your point that it may not be an admission of guilt. Me personally, I just don't think that this is a, I don't think that Noah Shannon would actually, again, just my opinion. I don't think he would actually come out and bring this up and make a big deal out of it. If it wasn't about to be a big deal. And that is, I guess my, my thought, because if we find out two weeks later that Shannon's out for the year, it's like, Oh wow. You know, like, wow, right. okay, that's the that's the guy the program because the program obviously cares a lot about the players that they reward and send out to these to these things and then it's just a bad look at the program because you know that's that's it um but yeah i i i would you're right there's there's a lot of, we have to take a lot of caution with this because there's a lot of assumptions we can make right off the bat and a lot of things we don't know uh, but i want to ask you this so jay higgins is the guy that they choose to to uh, to replace Shannon with, what do you think about that? And um, would you have, I guess, made that choice if you were a uh, team? Yeah, we actually, on on our first podcast a week or two ago, maybe it was a week ago, I referenced a few guys that I just would have liked to have seen out there. Um, not saying that any of the guys who were selected shouldn't go. It was just like, oh, it would have been cool to talk with these guys because they've been great with the media. Jay was one of them. I, I, he's been he's been very transparent the way he has talked about Nick Jackson coming in and them working together has been awesome great stuff to run with uh, one of my first articles that wasn't about recruiting was on Jay Higgins stepping into that Mike linebacker position uh, he was one of the first he and I think Noah and Logan were the three first guys that I that I spoke to at a media availability and all super open super gracious super kind um, uh, you know, cause sometimes when, when you're an athlete, folks like Blake and I can be really annoying after a while, um, you know, oh, and, yes. <laughs> and so they were all super, just, just really, really easy to talk to very open. And that's what you're looking for really in a profession like this. Those, those guys are the ones you want to talk to. And Jay is one of them. Uh, he's, he's been really He's just been great in, in that regard. And to have a guy who is stepping into the void that was the gigantic void that was left by Jack Campbell being uh, the best linebacker in the country, I think that in, in itself is a story that people can latch on to at Big Ten Media Days. I, I think it was a, a solid selection. Um, how about you? Well, it's honestly, I thought about it for a while. I'm like, who else could they have picked? And you start going through just the best players on the team. And well, Cade, Cade was, I was, I was shocked at first when I heard Cade wasn't going to be there, but then I'm like, I guess it makes sense. It's, it's a reward for the players. Um, and Cade's, Cade hasn't played a game as a Hawkeye. Um, neither is Eric. I mean, you could argue that Eric's a better player than Luke right now, but Luke has been there and Luke's the one that led the team in receiving touchdowns and is probably going to have a huge year this year. 
Um, you start going on the list. I mean, the, the only other guys I could think of, and I, I second all the points you just made. Quinn kind of fits that Noah Shannon role of a guy, just a really good dude who's been there for so long. Um, Deontay Craig, I'll say his name again. I mean, he was really damn good last year and he is going to be great again this year. We will be talking about his name as a first or second round pick. That's my, that's my prediction. Deontay Craig. I think a lot of people are expecting a huge year from him, but, uh, but Jay too. And Jay is going to be one of the leaders of the defense. He's going to be one of the faces of the defense. He was really good last year. He was basically the third string inside linebacker. Uh, to Seth and to to Jack. I mean, we were getting, I, I know you weren't here for um, the end of last year, but we were getting Jay out there at media days. And Jay was the third, basically like uh, the third wheel behind Jack and Seth. So he's a great player. Uh, he's, again, one of the faces of the defense, just a really good dude. Um, you could have flipped a coin between him and Deontay for me, but uh no, it's cool, and he's he's also an totally random. He's also an Indianapolis native, so maybe go and see his his mom or dad for the day. Not that that's uh, that matters, but uh, they put in the press release, so I'm gonna reiterate it. Shout out White Soul. <laughs> yeah, but yes, I, I agree with everything you said, and and you mentioned Cade. Kirk's not gonna send a first year Hawkeye, right? That's just not his mo. And when you look around the offense. Well, they're not going to send a sophomore. They're not going to send Caleb Johnson. They're not going to send Logan Jones. They're not going to send Deontay Vines either because he's not as well known of a name as as some of these other guys. And then they they very well could have sent Tory Taylor. He's a fan favorite. He's uh, I, I don't think you were there on Tuesday. Were you Were you in Iowa City Tuesday? I didn't think I saw you. It was not. No, okay. sadly. Tell me the story. Okay. I haven't talked to Tori much. Uh, he was the first guy that came out and everybody hounded him, but nobody was the first to just step up and ask a question. And he goes, he said something about, uh, come on guys, it's been a while. <laughs> you gotta have something, uh, which is funny. It's just classic Tori right there. I haven't, again, I haven't talked with him oh, much, but, that's but yeah. Uh, and to be an all American punter, you'd think he'd be, uh, uh, you know, considered, but, um, yeah, like, like I said last week regarding Cade, regarding Eric, regarding, you know, Caleb Brown, who again is a very young guy and he's new. That would be throwing these guys to the metaphorical wolves of the big 10 media right away. Just, and and you've been like, we've both been to these media availabilities. Everybody is around Cade immediately. Mm-hmm. It's like flies on, you know what, you know, like, and, and for good reason, he's, he's, he's great with the media. Cade has been awesome um as he should be as a quarterback you know as as a leader of the football team and so imagine what it would be like with the entirety of the big 10 media you know yeah well it it also just bring the the narrative of Cade left Michigan which I think is a silly narrative like what was he supposed to do like not play like he's a he's a star college quarterback he should play and uh, if anybody I mean, I, I've heard, I've seen some things that mostly from just Michigan fans like, oh, Cade never sat next to JJ on the bench. Cade quit on the team. Cade entered the portal before the playoff game. Like, get over it. I, <laughs> yeah. You have JJ McCarthy. Why are you upset? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, right. Went to the playoff last year. You had a capable <laughs> offense. You don't, you don't have anything to <laughs> be upset about. It, it, it blows my mind. But like, yeah, I I mean, I, the other thing, too, is and Petrus wasn't there last year. Um, you mentioned the I mentioned Tory. Yeah, I think it would be hilarious. But I, I also don't think that advertising your punter is like a good like <laughs> yeah. way to start the season. <laughs> like, yeah, hey, by the way, we're really good at punting. Here's our right. guy who led the nation in punts and yards last year. <laughs> No, yeah, I think people want to see less of Tory Taylor. Um, right. <laughs> not that he's not great. It's just you know, um, when you're on a big I, stage I, like that, I I totally hear what you're saying. Yeah, you know, like it would be fun. But I mean, I I would I I wish I was there on Tuesday. I was going to ask him. I'm like, do you have to? Did you like it tired at all at the end of last year? Because I mean, <laughs> I I don't know how I don't know how you did it, man. 
Like it was right. just like he, he got. I mean, there was a play against Ohio State last year where he just got. It, it was a play where he, he essentially had to run a fake punt on his own because of some miscue between the center and the long step, rather. And Tor got clocked, and then I think he had an injury he was dealing with the rest of the year. But I wanted to ask him, like, was that because of an injury, or is that because your leg got tired? Why the your average yards per game kind of dipped off? Because he was being talked about for like, I mean, he he, he wasn't even a finalist for the Ray Guy Award last year, I don't think, which is freaking ridiculous because I, I don't know, he's the best punter. But anyway, not to go on a whole punter rant here. The point is. <laughs> We're not sending the punter to Big Ten. They're not sending the punter to Big Ten Media Day. Um, and uh, yeah, no, I, I think, uh, I think Jay's the guy. Yeah, yeah, I do too. Mike Linebacker only makes sense. Now, other news from today that kind of took a secondary spot, but uh, had had the morning was uh, Chima Chineki from Plano, Texas, Plano East High School, three-star recruit, 5.6 rivals rating. He announced his commitment to Iowa. He's a defensive end. I got to pull up his measurables here really quick. I believe he's big and long. I can tell you that right right off the top of my head. Uh, I've I've talked with Chima quite a bit. I had a uh, tweet about him that uh, people loved right away. He is... Of the recruits that I've spoken to, football, basketball, what have you, he's the most unintentionally hilarious kid I have ever spoken to. He'll just drop something super matter matter of fact, and it just kills me. Like, for the official visit, I believe this was in one of our premium articles, so I'll just share it now. I I, uh, was asking him about the official visit. I think it was that Sunday after they were done. But I said, overall, what was your favorite part of – of the visit anything in particular stick out the most that really really stood out and he goes oh thinking about it really hard probably the food <laughs> like <I'm> a- um <laughs> and he he was dead serious oh it's so funny like uh and i actually that was the the final little tidbit in that article but uh just he's he's just very that is who he is right there. That that's Chima and the experience that I've, that I've had talking with him a few times. Um, he's a talented kid, obviously coming in as a three-star uh, six, five, two thirty measurables as, as a weak side defensive. end. Uh, he's another kid, not quite to the degree of Devin Kennedy in terms of lack of experience in football, because he's played all three years, but you can see the raw, athleticism that he brings the bend that he has and there's so much to be developed and cultivated in what he brings to the table and before i get on too much of a rant uh, about this as the the recruiting analyst at at iowa.rivals.com like i just wanted to hear your thoughts on on chima and after watching his huddle and getting a little bit of a look at him as the uh, 20th commit for iowa's 2024 class yeah, a few thoughts. Uh, one, you talked about the measurables. Um, the first thing that I uh, that stuck out to me watching his tape was like, this guy resembles a Lucas Van Ness. This guy is big, long, fast. And the one thing that jumped off uh, his tape to me was his ability to play on different spots on the D-line. He can put his hand on the dirt. He could be a stand-up rusher. Um, he flashed the ability to go after interior linemen, the tackles. Um, and the other thing too, which I thought was probably the most interesting thing because, you know, Iowa just turns three stars into good college football players, like nobody's freaking business, but he's from Texas. And, you know, if you remember the old, I'm going to go on a little tangent here, but the old Nebraska teams were able to recruit kids in Texas so well because they would play Texas teams, you know, three, four times a year. And their parents would get to see their kids play when they went to Nebraska, right? Texas Tech, Texas, you know, all the Southern teams. And eventually Nebraska lost that pipeline. Well, uh, Chime, or Chima, excuse me, I say Chime, Chima had a couple of offers from Kansas, Texas Tech, OSU, and 
he elected to go play at a place where his parents aren't going to get to see him play. Um, at least in conference games. I don't think I was going to Texas anytime soon. So uh, I take that back, but uh, no, I think it just goes to show the job that Kelvin Bell has done. Um, not just demonstrating what he can do with the players we've already seen, but uh, into giving, you know, these prospects a look at what they can become. And obviously Iowa made an exceptional impression. Looks like this kid's going to be a player. Um, And yeah, a really good recruiting class, by the way, I think this is what the best class overall. I mean, you got James from Florida, you got the four-star kid. Um, Three star on rivals, but. Oh, I got yeah. going off of 24 seven. I'm so, I can't do that. That's, <laughs> That's, okay. That's okay. Sorry. I, I would star. have him as a four, I would have him as a four star too. So take that with, uh, with a grain of salt, I suppose. Sure. We'll, we'll call it he was, <laughs> three and a half he's, stars. He's a four, yeah, exactly. Three and a half. We'll call him <laughs> a, a, a true three and a half star. It's only fair. <laughs> uh, no, this is a great, um, Addition, I just said it's a great addition to the class overall. And um, again, I think it's just more of a um, a win for for LeVar, for Phil, for Kelvin. Like they're able to get a kid to come play away from home and get in the Iowa system um, and learn from the best college football staff on that side of the ball. Yeah, yeah. And, and you could say potential is – sort of the one if you had to encapsulate this this uh defensive line group into one word it'd be potential because well you got jack campbell's little brother and drew campbell though he may play a variety of positions we're, we're not quite sure he's coming in as a defensive end he might play linebacker whether or not those two positions go well he could flip to offensive line that's that's all up in the air and he's told me that verbatim that's not me just conjecture or anything then you've got Joseph Anderson, Devin Kennedy, and of course, Chima Anderson, very slight, but he possesses, I would say more athleticism than Chima. I, I think he, he's a 5.5 uh, rating on, on rivals that three star. I think he should probably be at least a 5.6 if not a 5.7. And then you go to Devin who just played his first full year of football ever has gained 50 pounds within the last year. And he told me he looks back at his film from this last season, which I'm sure so many people did went and looked at his huddle and we were like, what the hell is this? And he said himself, he looks back at his huddle and and he hates watching it, but that's an indication that he's grown so much. He's learned a lot from his dad, learned a lot from these camps that he's been to. And then in Chima, you look at the way he moves. He doesn't move very much like an athlete but in terms of i don't know like his his hand motions but then you watch him in full 100 go mode and then that athlete comes out that athleticism comes out his burst we've got a, a, a video of him from a rivals camp where his burst and and quickness really jumps out at you i think that's a very underrated part of his game but these three that they've that they've added uh, we'll we'll exclude Campbell for now because he's a little bit more of a known commodity but Anderson, Chinecki and Kennedy they're all three more than likely going to redshirt put on a bunch of weight this year and there is so much room, uh, under the tutelage of Kelvin Bell and Phil Parker Phil Parker obviously more so with the DBs but he is the defensive coordinator under the tutelage of, of Kelvin Bell, these guys, their roof is through the – it's just – their ceiling, I should say, is is astronomical. Um, I We had an article about players we're most excited to, to see from this 2024 class, and mine was Devin Kennedy because we know so little but have learned so much about who he is and his dedication to the game and his growth. His body's fresh, a little more fresh than – the, the remainder of the guys because he's been playing for such a small amount of time. I then had a conversation with him and my understanding of he's, it's like he's in the NFL already by the way he communicates. It was, it, it, it genuinely blew my mind when you get to meet him at some point in time, Blake, you'll, you'll probably, I would imagine you'll, you'll, you'll feel the same way, think the same thing, but um, all in all, 
Shima was down to Kansas and Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State offered a little bit late, so that relationship wasn't quite built. He referred to Kansas as his dream school. I don't know if you'd heard that or read that anywhere, Blake. But to me, going into this official visit month, I wasn't super confident about Iowa landing Shima, specifically because of that quote. But he got on campus and... Ultimately, what it came down to is the fact that he food. sees, yes, the food, <laughs> nice. the food and his ability to develop and be a part of one of the top defenses in the country. I, I, I think it's, it's a, it's an incredible fit as well as, you know, you could say the same thing about Anderson and Kennedy, but Chima is probably the most developed of the three that's not saying a ton because he does have a little bit of room to grow he told me recently that between his freshman and sophomore seasons they had a ton of turnover in their football coaching staff so this junior year is really where he felt like he knew what he was doing on the football field he was able to make plays because of that natural ability the size etc but he had some stability had something to work with and was able to garner these these 10 offers um so yeah i i think i think it's another great addition it's a 32nd ranked uh class in in the country now on unrivals.com i imagine some of these guys like weisskopf and, and a few others are possibly going to be upgraded to a four star then you got the 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 uh 11th i suppose or 10th and final uh, recruit from that official visit date. I don't know if you know the name, uh, Blake, but Xavier Lucas is the last one from that big official visit date that hasn't committed. Uh, he's a four-star corner out of Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And if Iowa adds another four-star on top of Cody Fox, Weisskopf or Cam Buffington or or one of these other guys that gets upgraded to a four-star, we might see a top 25 class. That would be something. Yeah, no kidding. Um, I think the big thing here too. I think the thing that always like shocks me. This might this might be just me um, extrapolating a little bit here. It's pretty incredible to me how I was able to like recruit some. I mean, I know I know we're talking about uh, Drew Campbell, and I have a Drew Campbell story for another time. Uh, make sure you remind me to tell that, but. Uh, I mean, you just talk about all these defense. I mean, it's incredibly that I was being able, able to recruit so many good offense. I mean, honestly, I, I was offense last year was the laughing stock of the country. And yet they still managed to recruit a three-star running back, a three and a half star quarterback, a three-star receiver, Reese Vanderzee, um, some really good players. And again, the, the history tells you if you're not a tight end, if you're not an interior offensive lineman, like it's going to be, this is not really the place you're going to be able to show off your skill set. Um, but I was still found a way to recruit some really great um, talent. Um, I, I, Brian Ferris must be the greatest salesman to ever live. Um, Cause he got Cade McNamara on the portal. He got, you know, a four-star quarterback and I'm, I'm not just Brian, I'm not trying to pick up Brian here, but the point is, is that um, I think it's just impressive that I was again, consistently, um, I, I think the other part of it too is that um, Iowa is in foreign territory whenever they're recruiting. And you're you're the expert recruiting analyst here. I'm just the dumb TV guy, so please correct me here if I'm uh, mistaken. But I was, uh, I guess, home run for recruiting is in Illinois, Iowa, um, and then I guess the the southern Minnesota, eastern Nebraska realm. Um, other other than that, like they're going and basically try to convince kids to go away from home and to leave their families and to come play. And, um, and a lot of the great prospects are in the South in Florida and Texas and Georgia and Arizona. Um, but overall, like I was able to, it, I, and the coaches talk about this too. If they get the right people in the building, they'll fix the player. You talked about a couple of kids who have the potential to be great players. That's what the coaches see too. And it's, it. You know, it, it starts, with, but it starts with the character. Um, and I think that's pretty consistent across the board. So, 
So, yeah. The the one thing I'll I'll say about the uh, offers, I mean, it'd be, you, you pretty much nailed it in terms of recruiting. Iowa, Illinois is it's really their their go to their uh, their go to states, uh, but. Um, They'll dip into Florida quite a bit, at least with offers, whether or not those land is is one thing or another. Obviously, they've got Reeser, they've got Rashad Godfrey, Godfrey rather, in this uh, in this recruiting class, and then potentially Xavier Lucas as well, possibly Casey Etienne down the road. I think there might, oh, possibly uh, Jaquan Reed as well. These are a couple guys that are probably going to visit, take their officials in the fall. At least Jaquan Reed is for sure. J- uh, that'll be in September. But yeah, I, I think I think Reezer is probably going to be the steal of the class. He's the most one of the more mobile quarterbacks we've seen that Iowa has landed. And that's kind of the route they're going, obviously, bringing in Marco Linez in this last class, Joe Labus a little bit before that. They're they're looking more for the not so much a traditional in the pocket pocket passer. That's geez, that's that's the uh that's the the term I was looking for. But Reezer's really fun. He's got wheels. He can throw it. He, I mean, he can throw a, a missile. He can, he's got touch. And, and so just really like the way this, this class is, is shaping up. Now, Blake, we have been talking for quite a while. Let's get to questions uh, before we get you out of here. If you want to submit a question, you can hop over to iowa.rivals.com backslash subscribe. If you are a premium subscriber, you can head over there, drop a question on our premium board, and we will get to it on Hotcast. That, or you can leave that five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Ask a question, and we'll get you here on the pod. Now, one thing that Blake and I talked about a little bit before we started recording was that Scott Siebker, Niall uh, Kinnick documentary, Waterloo Chaz dropped a, a question on our premium board and he asked uh, if I'd seen it, what my thoughts were on it. Blake, you haven't. Um, and I hadn't prior to that either. Grant, you've been on the beat a little bit longer than me. Yeah. So. No, I, I, I don't have, I, I have no excuses. I have no excuses, man. So you, I, I'll wear the cone of shame for this question. There we go. So I'm actually only an hour in. I just started it right before Blake and I uh, began recording, but I got about an hour in right when they started addressing him being involved or eventually involving himself in World War II. Football part was phenomenal. The footage that they got from this time frame blows my mind. I mean, Blake, being a sports nut, I imagine growing up like I was watching NFL Network and seeing video of football from like the forties and they're all like super slow and it's all very grainy. It's all colorized. You can see the real speed of Niall Kinnick. It's nuts. It's so it's unbelievable has blown my mind thus far. Um, And like just the way somehow, well, first of all, somehow they tracked down letters that they sent that he sent to his family and that his father sent back letter that he got from his grandpa when he graduated uh, from high school, I believe. And just the way that these guys talked with one another back then, you know, we look back at pictures you know, of like, they're all look stoic and creepy from the thirties. And we don't think anybody back then had a sense of humor. Everybody was hard on each other, especially men, but the way they speak to each other in these letters really just humanizes them. At least the, the way it's, it's portrayed in this documentary I, I, I listened to the way he writes, his father writes letters to him, Niall Sr., which I didn't know. Niall Kinnick was a junior. Uh, but Niall Sr. writes these letters to his son. And I think my dad would talk to me like that. Like, there's one point where he calls him Sonny Boy in the middle of the letter. And I just like, oh, my dad's so cringe. But, but uh, yeah, it's I, I paid the $4.99 on Amazon to watch it. I would highly recommend anybody who hasn't seen it, you included Blake. Take, it's an hour and a half. I'm going to finish it once we're done here. I get the pod uploaded and everything like that. But it's been amazing so far. Incredibly well done. Uh, great, great to know. Uh, that I think the most uh, interesting thing I took away from that was that uh, they found a good video of early 1900s football. That's insane. <laughs> they, they probably had to do a ridiculous amount of production on that to – you know, work out the kinks, so to speak, digitize it and all that. So I, I just, 
I'm I'm very impressed with what I've seen so far. I wish I would have seen it sooner. But uh, anyway, I rented it for four ninety nine. I don't know if I can get it to you for that amount if you want to Venmo me two fifty. <laughs> yeah, we'll split it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> right. With our journalist money that uh, you know we're uh, we're we're breaking the bank on that. But next question from uh, Sigmate Hawk on again our our premium board at Iowa.rivals.com. I'll read this this paragraph he he dropped just to give the entirety of uh, the, the context here. He said, interested in your thoughts on Brian Ferentz. They spent a lot of money keeping Ken O'Keefe around in an attempt to help him. Spent around 90000 with the hire of Budimir, upgraded to over $300,000 a year, and recently hired another offensive analyst in Christ. This is all on top of the money spent acquiring McNamara, all Feth, Parker, Brown, Anderson. Now, granted, that's going to be different. It's NIL money versus organ- the, the, the money coming out of the uh, athletic department. But with all this required help he needs, even if he can produce 25-plus points a game, if they finish with seven or less wins and the offense turns in another discombobulated disaster, does he yet again get to keep his job? Blake, what do you think? Yeah, so I I wrote a pretty I'll, I'll call it a funny column. I wrote a pretty funny column about this when this contract happened, and I think the biggest takeaway here, um, a, a couple of things. One, the contract itself is ridiculous. It is insane. Um, it's silly. I, there's, there's nothing like this in college <laughs> football. Um, and again, the the points the the, the I I. Came up, I went on TV and did this. It was the most stupid thing ever. But I literally went through Gary Barta's like presentation of like justifying Brian Ferentz keeping his job and using those points against uh, Brian. And what I came to realize was that uh, Gary was right. Uh, okay, so let me give some context here, Elliot. I'm, I'm, I don't mean to throw you a curveball here. But in February, Kirk announced that no changes were going to be made to the staff. And then, like a week or two later, we found out about the contract. Well, Gary went up there and defended Brian and said that Brian's average under Kirk was higher than Kirk's average. Here's the thing. He was right. And what does that tell you? That Kirk's offense sucks. That's what it tells you. Um, Not to Mm -hmm. be blunt. But the point, the, the, <laughs> the, the point. Here's here's the other thing though is that I, I watched some old sound off. You know, sound off. You ever watched sound off before the oh, point yeah. WHL? Yep. Okay. Keith did a thing on on Brian when he first uh, arrived at at Iowa, and he's this hot shot offensive coordinator that was going to end up being a head coach for or offensive line coach rather, or offensive assistant. He was this hot shot, bright offensive mind that coached in New England and was going to end up somewhere else. And it was a good thing that Iowa hired him to get them out of their old stale ways. And it's the same, it's the same thing. Okay. Iowa's hated every offensive coordinator they've had, including Brian Ferentz. That's the takeaway. I don't care what this contract says, right? Yeah, Brian's going to meet the benchmarks. Brian's going to keep his job. Okay, but the thing is, is that this offensive philosophy is is stuck in the 80s. And I'm not calling for Kirk's job. I'm not saying that Kirk doesn't know what he's doing, but this philosophy has limitations and that Brian. I get I cut him some slack in the sense that this is the way they do things, and it's never going to be Oklahoma with Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield. It's never going to be USC. It's never going to be Oregon with Mariota. It's never going to be Kingsbury's offense. It's never going to be that. It's This is what it is. Okay, last year, their personnel stunk, aside from Sam Laporta. Every single position. Logan Jones was a decent center. Mason Richmond was a decent left tackle. Other than that, and Caleb, Caleb and Luke. I'm sorry, not to throw them under the bus. Caleb's a good player. Luke's a good player. The O-line was not good. The quarterback play was horrendous. Brian, Brian's contract is ridiculous in the sense that those benchmarks mean absolutely nothing. 
But at the very least, what we will find out about Brian this season with an improved quarterback, with an improved offensive line, with a running back we expect to break out, we will find out if the offense is still stuck in the gutter by the time we get to November, we will know whose fault it is. And the new athletic director shouldn't, in my opinion, tolerate that. But the the point I'm trying to get to overall is that, one, Brian is running Kirk's system, which historically sucks. It doesn't – they're trying to win a certain way. And B, um, we need to see this through with the personnel changes that were made um, because they will reach those benchmarks. And the Hawkeyes are going to win a bunch of games this year, you know? Like, did you know that Hannah Bluter was the director of basketball operations uh, for the women? But no one cares because the women are great. No one's going to yep. no one's going to talk about no one's going to complain about Brian when the team is winning ten or eleven games this year. So there's my long-winded answer. Sorry about that. Uh, I'll turn it back over to you. No, great stuff. Hey. There's a couple ways that that I see this potentially going, and there's a couple ways to approach the whole Brian Ferentz thing, which there's only so much you can say before you're beating a dead horse. Right. And I'm not as, I don't know, worn out by the the topic because I haven't been on it to the same degree that a lot of folks like, like you have, but my first thought is there's virtually, (laughs) I'll believe it when I see it regarding the potential firing of Brian Ferentz. Like there has been so much conversation about moving on from, from him for the last two years that it makes it hard to believe that it would happen at the volition of the football program, i.e. Kirk Ferentz. Now with this new AD, we'll, we'll see what kind of patience she has the interim AD, of course, what kind of patience she has excuse me, regarding, well, nepotism and whether or not, I mean, we don't know how long, how much longer Kirk's going to be around. We don't know how much longer he's going to be the head coach, the football head football coach. He's been around for so long uh, and, and he's, he's getting up and up there in age. That's just, that's just a fact. Whether it's two, three years, we don't know. Now the point you made about personnel is very important. Because last season, I mean, it, you just you laid it out already. The the personnel is very different this time around. And if they can't execute with Cade McNamara at quarterback, two new offensive linemen, two guys that have come in and now have that experience, a four-star wide receiver, top 100 recruit in the country, one of the top FCS receivers in the country, that defense, which might not be as good as it was last year, but still going to be good, then it's beyond the point. It's like a it's like a dark comedy if he sticks around again. And say this team goes five and seven, they gets that twenty five plus because Cooper DeGene returns six punts for touchdowns and has like six pick sixes or whatever, you know. And he sticks around. It's it's dark humor is what it is if he's back after that because. I felt that way in February when we found out there weren't going to be any changes made to the staff again. And I had just started this job. Kirk said it. And I was like, as I'm sure Iowa collectively, the fan base was. So I I haven't talked about it much. I'm sure a lot of folks have Brian Ferentz fatigue, but, but this is my first time really getting into it. And that's kind of where I'm at. I, I don't know that I that I know enough to go any further than that, but that's it, man. I I, I, well, I don't know. Elliot, that I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, I, well, I'll I'll tell you this right now. Any conversation ever when it comes to Iowa football goes back to Brian Ferentz. Anything, okay? Oh. Wow, Cade, Cade's looking good. God, well, he's, or Cade with a nice-looking 15-yard throw to Deontay Vines. Oh, that's a deep pass in Brian's offense. He's not going to have to throw it any farther than that. You know, it, 
Brian Ferentz fatigue, it's like you could hear it in that press conference he had recently. He's done with it. He doesn't want to be here. He doesn't. He doesn't want to be the laughing stock of the state. He doesn't want to be. He doesn't want his kids to go through what um, they're going through, and just in terms of being harassed for being the son of Brian Ferentz, with the way things were last year. Um, but I'll I'll touch base on this. You mentioned the new AD. We'll see what the new AD uh, real quick. When Kirk Ferentz makes over three times as much money as the athletic director mates makes, and again, not to bag on Kirk, because I like Kirk, but he makes three times as much as the AD makes. The AD has he, or I guess she now, hands tied behind their back. They can't fire the coach's son. Gary admitted as much that it is Kirk's operation. I'm just here to oversee it. Okay, quick little story. When Brian got hired, he said that his dad called him and offered him the job. Yet, when Barta made the announcement, he said that he was the one that made the call. And he would report to, uh, to Brian would report to Barta. And it's this whole ridiculous nepotism nightmare, as I've called it, that um, will only continue to happen unless the athletic director steps in and doesn't quote unquote oversee the operation and make um, and, and touch it when he or she feels like it, the AD has to be more involved. So there's a, there's a little barter criticism for you. When the head coach is the most powerful person in the football program, you get nepotism. And when the offense is only better than New Mexico, shout out to the, Oh gosh, what are they called? I can't remember. The Lobos. The Lobos, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Lobos. Yeah. You're better than the Lobos that last year, and you get to keep your job. No one else keeps their job after nope. that. Nope. Anyways, I, I hope that – I think the weirdest part of that extension, though, wrote last thing, a two-year extension if he meets those requirements, that's ridiculous. That's If you meet the requirements, you get to coach another year, not another two. So – that's the most ridiculous part of it to me. But again, this is what happens when the head coach is the most powerful person in the football program. So yeah. on to question number three from the premium board at iwood.rivals.com. RRH Hawk coincidentally asked if there was any news on football players gambling. Uh, that, that investigation, of course, Blake and I already hit that with the Noah Shannon news that, that came out today. And then Waterloo Chaz chimed in once again and asked a little bit about ISU. He said Campbell seemed uncertain, excuse me, uncertain if they would have Hunter Deckers to start the season. Now, Blake and I, again, we talked about this right before we started recording. I have heard notable names involved with Iowa State. I, I think I should leave it at that. I don't know how much more I can divulge. But what I have heard is that something's going to come out sooner rather than later. And I heard that a month ago. So I I think, and being at Iowa State's prospect camps, there were a few, I guess, supposed counselors, players that come in and, and help coach and stuff that were not there that would surprise people. And I think it significantly affects where they're going to be and the expectations for the Cyclones in 2023. That's probably the most I can say. I would agree with you there, but I would say the Noah Shannon stuff today, I don't know if that's a coincidence, to be honest with you. I think that... um, if sooner rather than later is the uh, prognosis, I think it's going to be a lot sooner. Um, now knowing what we know today, just with Noah, so yeah, I'd I'd, le- I'd leave it at that and say we'll we'll find out one way or the other soon enough. Um, so yeah. But to clarify, the big names were for Iowa State, not for Iowa. Right. As, yeah. As, yeah. As you went back, was like, okay, whoa. <laughs> no. Anyway, Blake Hornstein joining us, kind enough to join us late on a Wednesday night as this pod debuts in about two hours. 
we'll we'll, we'll uh, get it up at, at 12.01, get it scheduled for 12.01 there on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you listen. Blake, he is at Blake Horn TV on Twitter. Give him a follow. Does great stuff with uh, WHBF and Hawkeye headquarters. Um, and yeah, Blake, we appreciate you stopping by, man. This is a great pot. This is our, you're our first guest on Hawkcast. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, hey, put it on the resume, always... bro. Oh yeah. When you're, hey, you're always welcome to come on, uh, on, on channel four, whenever you'd like, man. So great, great having me hope to do it again. If you'll, uh, if you'll have me back at some point. Definitely. Definitely. We will. So to wrap it up here, we appreciate you tuning in to this episode of Hotcast brought to you by iowa.rivals.com. If you do want to sub- or, excuse me, uh, submit one of those questions, you can do that on our premium board. Just head over to iowa.rivals.com slash subscribe if you have not subscribed yet. Of course, you can leave that rate and review on Apple Podcasts and submit your question there with a five-star rate and review. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you are listening. For now, we'll see you next time.